As I said last week, December is going to be a little bit different for me. I never really have a theme for Sunday morning. But as I've been preparing our notes for our Wednesday night uh, Bible study, going through the doctrine of God, theology is called it. As I was preparing the final pages, it was on the names of God. And it hit me. There's some powerful, powerful names that over the years have really helped me. Even as this week I was finishing up doing my PowerPoint for that because I do my study, put it on a legal pad, and then I take those notes, I put it in, I type it in, I do what I call my bold because I, I hand out my papers on Wednesday night and they have blanks. And then I'll put the information on a PowerPoint, put it up on the board so people can see what notes to put in instead of me having to spell words and, and stop. It's easier to put it on a power, PowerPoint. And I'll be honest with you, sitting there this week, looking at the names of God. You say, you have it in all your Bibles. Yes, I do. And I use it periodically. As I get done reading, I go back there and just read some of the names. And I'll go in my Bible where I have those names highlighted. And I'll refresh myself with it. Because you need to realize that God wants you to know him. And when you understand that and you study your Bible, some of these names become very personal to you. It's hard to say what name I have is my favorite, but if I had to pick one, today would probably be one of my favorites just because of what it's meant to me over the years and what I've seen it do for others. And when you understand the context of what's taking place here, there is a man of God who's 99 years of age. He's been serving, this, the, he's been serving God since he was 75. Thirteen years earlier from this, he thought he he thought him and his wife could could help God out and did something that's affecting his ancestors even up to today. And you find that through this event, Abraham gets to know a name that through a lot of us, I believe, will be a source of comfort, a source of encouragement. Just one of those names you go back into when you really need help. Because he wants you to know him. He said, why are you saying all this? Because you need to understand that this is new for me this year to do a, a, a whole month on a Sunday morning of a continual thought. I really was waiting for God to change my mind this week because he'll do that. And he didn't. So I was excited because I'm looking forward to this name. I love El Shaddai. So with all that in thought, take your Bibles. Genesis chapter 17 is where we'll be this morning. This is one of those messages where I go to quite often to remind myself, you have some promises. If you'll do this, you can claim them. If you're not going to do them, don't claim it. And when you realize that no matter who you are and what's going on, you can still obey God. So Genesis chapter 17 is where we're at. If you'll stand for reading God's word this morning one more time. Again, we're going to read from verse 1 down to verse 8. I like doing responsive reading. I think it'll do you well as you do your own Bible reading. Sometimes read it out loud. It'll help you. So notice as I'll start with verse 1. As a church, you'll go to, again, back and forth. Verse 1 of Genesis 17 says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect.
And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For I, for a father of many nations, have I made thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. Together in verse 8. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, again we come this morning thanking you. Thank you for letting us serve you here in the United States. I know I say that quite often, Father, but the freedoms that we have here, the, the comforts we have here can be a plus and be a negative sometimes. But Father, we thank you for allowing us to serve you and to serve you here in this great country. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for the watch care. Thank you for the protection. Thank you for your faithfulness that you've shown to us. And Father, we thank you for the sweet spirit you've given to us in our church. We do thank you for that. And we come this morning not only thanking you, but Father, again, we do ask for help. This part of the service, what needs to be accomplished, none of us have the ability to do that. You tell us that our hearts are deceitful, that none of us can know our heart, but you remind us that you know our heart and that you can direct our heart. So, Father, we ask for you to do a work on our hearts today as you give a calming in our minds, that whether we're listening or watching or in the auditorium, that this just won't be another church service. Father, I know I say that quite often to you, but, Father, we don't want to just get into a routine of going through a form. So, please, search us, try us, know our hearts today, Allow us to leave this meeting with you a different person. And with these requests, again, I ask this for myself, not in repetition. But Father, I need your help. Please control my tongue. Please control my thoughts. Though I love reading about your name and I love just going through my notes, let it just not be a repetition for me. So I yield it back to you. Direct as only you can. Allow us to see your will and your way accomplished, and we'll thank you even more. So bless this time. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, as I was saying earlier, Abraham was called out of the year of the Chaldees when he was 75 years of age. I've often mentioned that to many senior citizens who are getting ready to retire. They're saying, I'm not sure what to do. Well, do what Abraham did. Serve God. Serve God. I've said that to high schoolers. I think you're ready to graduate high school. All to do, serve God. I've told that to every age group I ever talked to. I've told to little kids. So what can little kids do? Serve God. I've seen little kids do some great things. I've seen little kids bring grandma and grandpa to church. And grandma and grandpa trusted Christ. I've seen little kids melt the heart of tough guys. I'm telling you, any two-year-old who holds up a pretend phone to any tough guy, he's going to get it and pretend he's talking to somebody because that's what a two-year-old can do. And so I tell everyone, serve God. But when you study Abraham's life, you come to a 75-year-old man who has no children, 
And depending on whose book you're going to read, the, you know, everyone has an opinion on why God called him. All I'm saying is this, God chose him. God chose him. And we find that he serves him for a number of years because God promised him, I'm going to give you, I'm going to have your, your ancestors are going to outnumber the stars in the sky and the sands on the beach. And they're not having any children, not having any children. So him and Sarah decide to do their own thing and think they can fix this thing. And they have a child through a handmaid that even as I mentioned earlier, even as of today, I didn't watch the news or listen to the news today, but I'm willing to say that the descendants of Ishmael were harassing Isaac's ancestors somewhere over in the Middle East. If not yesterday, it'll be tomorrow. If not tomorrow, sometime this week, Ishmael's descendants are going to harass Isaac's children, and Isaac's children are going to harass them back, and it's not a peaceful time. This is why when you get to the book of Revelation, and there's someone who can promise Middle East peace, the whole world falls in line with them. And you just ask yourself, is there, if there was a person who could come onto the scene and give financial stability around the world and give real peace in the Middle East, every president we've had has talked about peace in the Middle East. But if there was a person who could really do that, you can see in our culture, man, they would follow them. They would follow them. So you read the Bible, you watch the newspapers, it's kind of hard to tell the difference. So you need to realize that what we read here in Genesis 17 was not just yesterday's news. This happened many years ago. But the event that took place still took place. Abraham at this point is 99 years old. And as a 99-year-old man, we find God comes to him and gives him a name. I love when I read his names. Again, when I was doing the PowerPoint, it took longer to do the PowerPoints on the names of God because I would put it down and I'd go to the pastor. I'd sit there. I'd keep in my Bible the places where I preached. So I'd go to those names and I would look at those places where God's allowed me to preach on those names of God. And I would pray for those churches. Pray for the people that I know that are in those churches. Pray for the preachers that may be there or have moved on. So it's kind of a sweet time, all centered around these names of God. So as you unfold this, you realize that God tells Abraham that his name is Almighty God. That is our English word. In the Hebrew, it's El Shaddai. Many, many, many years ago, Amy Grant made a famous song called El Shaddai, which I'm not going to sing that. The words are pretty good. It's just her character and the rock music really destroyed the message of El Shaddai. But when you come to this name, Almighty God, you got to remember, it was a 99-year-old person he tells it to. It's not a 21-year-old. It was one of our young ladies just turned 20 today. She's no longer a teenager. Poor little teenager. Now she's a 20. One of those tweens. Uh, millennials, don't you? Time to put her in a box, folks. So he's not a young person. It's not even the beginning of him stepping out to trust God. He's been serving God since he was 75 years old. It's been 24 years. Now all of a sudden God steps in and reminds him of something that up to this point he has never introduced himself to Abraham with this name. 
has never used this name. People say, well, did he just make it up? No, because Abraham came to a point in his life where we don't get all the story. But if you can picture if you were 75 and for 24 years you've been serving a God that none of your family has ever served and you've left your home, you tried to, to fix it for God, and boy, you, you got a problem back home. All of a sudden, you see that's where Abraham's at. And this name of God comes at a point in Abraham's life when he needed to be reminded of something. And when you understand that he gave it to Abraham because God knew, Abraham, you need the grasp of truth. I'm just not who you think I am. This is what's so exciting about knowing God's names. As that Muslim man told me in that prison many years ago now, our God fascinated him because our God that we serve wants us to know him. And this name, El Shaddai, which means giver of strength. To a 99-year-old man, who's not sure what's going on, he's not positive, he's willing to trust God. No doubt he has his moments, like any human being is going to have their moments. And God chooses at this point in his life to remind him, I'm the giver of strength. And he gives him just two things. If you'll do this for me, Abraham, you will realize that this name is just not a name that I go by. But it's who I am. As I told Sunday school, as you unfold your Bible, God reminds person after person after person, just trust me and obey. If you'll just trust me and obey, you'll find that a lot of things will start changing in your life. You'll find a lot of situations and a lot of circumstances are going to change when you decide I'm going to trust him, I'm going to obey. And 99-year-old Abraham comes to a point where obviously he's having a struggle. He's having some difficulties. We don't know all the details. God doesn't give us every single detail. But God chooses in his 99th year on this planet to remind him, Abraham, I am El Shaddai. I'm the giver of strength. Number one, do this, he says. God told him, walk before me. I'll stay with this. Walk before me. In other words, saying this, you live your life as if God was following right behind you. When you start keeping that mindset, it's like watching people on the highways. All of a sudden, you're sitting there and a car pulls out. All of a sudden, a police officer or a sheriff cars pulls out behind them. I enjoy that immensely. I hate it immensely when I'm the guy in front of the police officer because I'm going through my checklist. Okay, insurance is there, registration is there, okay, <laughs> seatbelt definitely on, okay. Yeah. And you're watching them because it's a joy to watch people that you know, they don't drive that well. I know they don't. Hey boy. <laughs> and I have police officer friends down in Florida that would chuckle and they would tell me, yeah, we know, <laughs> we're human. And sometimes we do play, you know, we know they're going to go a little bit slower. They're a little more careful. And so they have confessed to me, they do find quite, quite a lot of pleasure in watching you panic. Because now there's a police car behind you. And what a thrill it is when you're going straight and they turn. Oh, 
This is Abraham. God says, you know, I'm the giver of strength. I am El Shaddai. I am the almighty God. If you'll live your life as if I'm following right behind you, that'll affect the way you talk. Because when you know someone's listening, well, you act a whole lot different and you talk a whole lot different. It still amazes me when I come into a store and people don't know I'm there and all of a sudden they're carrying on their regular conversation. Then out of the corner of the eye, they catch, oh, it's a preacher. <laughs> you watch them going through the checklist. I'll be honest with you, I play with that too. I <laughs> the only time I'm really careful is when I'm in Walmart and Miss Shirley's in there because she does not look where she drives and she runs into everyone and everything with her car. She should have a license and not be allowed to use it in Walmart. I'm just saying on the front side of the story here. But you live your life with God following you. Your talking is going to change. The thing is, we don't think about that. Abraham's 99 years of age. And God says, I'm going to give you strength. All I ask you to do is walk before me. That means you're going to watch your talking. You're going to watch your actions. Everyone acts different when they know they're being watched. Everyone does. Again, I've said this before. When we first let Diana babysit all her siblings, and Kathy and I were going to go out, and we decided to come home real quick just to check on them. And, man, it was mayhem in the house. And we find out that Diana, Diana took the BB gun and decided she was going to kill one of the cats because it was harassing Gracie's cat. Look, you're 16 years of age, getting ready to get your permit. You think it's a good thing to try to kill an animal? It was going after the cat. Well, guess what? You're not getting your license for another year. Oh, Dad. But the funny part was coming into the house when they didn't know we were coming home. And, man, I forget which one saw us first. <laughs> it was hard not laughing. And all of a sudden, and they loudly said hi to me. Hi, Dad! <laughs> well, hi, Stephanie, or hi, Caleb, probably. Probably wasn't Caleb because he was probably harassing all his sisters because they took fun in harassing him because he was an animal. And they were animal trainers, I thought. But, see, your actions change when all of a sudden you realize mom and dad are home. And when you realize this little statement there, walk before me. Walk before me. I've said this, and it, it, it has been drilled in my head. To the fact, when we go to the stores, I have to have a cart. Not because it's a male ego thing. Because <laughs> this has been drained in my head. If you're old enough to remember, your parents would say, we're going to go to the store. Remember the day when you had to change your clothes to go to the store? You couldn't wear your play clothes to the store because we're going put on your going to store clothes. When you had to go to church, when your parents made you, you had to go in the church jeans, take off those, those are your play jeans, put on your other jeans, put on your going to stores jeans. Okay. So every Saturday morning, we went to the store once a week. She would take me and my little brother and my little sister, put us in the station wagon, and we head off to the quality market. We thought it was a huge Walmart center. Man, before we had these huge centers. So it was a little local grocery store. And she let Gordon and Glenn go on the sides. Little Lissy's in the front of the cart. And so little Gordon decides, ooh, look, a grape. Oh, look, a cherry. Because they didn't have the same one I had. Man, I feel that cart hit the back of my leg. Boom. 
Stand in front of me, boy. Little brother Glenn just kind of snickering because he knew. Why didn't I remember that? I still, even when my mom was alive and we laugh about that, she said, Gordon, every Saturday, I didn't intentionally put you in front of me, but you would go off. It's like you had a brain-dead moment. I'd watch your hand go from one of those grapes and say, if it's not yours, don't touch it. I haven't paid for it. And you take one of those grapes and pop in your mouth. And she would admit, in heaven, she knows the truth now. She knows. One time she said, I did enjoy that, Gordon, i got to admit. <laughs> to bap you in your legs because <laughs> I would come home limping. My sisters knew exactly what it meant because there I was. I had maybe two or three minutes of freedom every Saturday morning until I made a stupid decision. That's how God is telling Abraham. Not that God's going to run him over with a cart. Because these carts you make nowadays are nothing like they were back in the 1960s and early 70s. The, early, the late 60s and early 70s, they had steel pipes come to front with points on them. They had barbed wire around our, our, part, our carts there, INS, and they were killer machines. <laughs> I watched many kids come out of quality market crippled. I felt that way. I mean, it was horrible. I'm glad, to, I'm glad our lawyer stepped in and saved our kids' lives. Amen? Parents would have killed everybody. But see, God tells Abraham this one truth. I'm the giver of strength. Now, he doesn't tell him, you just do whatever you want to, buddy. You go talk the way you want to. You go live the way you want to. You can even blast from me, and I'll just give you strength. That's not what God's telling him. We live in our culture today, and you're, you're asking yourself, why are people doing what they're doing? Or even better than that, why are Christians doing what Christians are doing? Because a lot of it is, they don't realize this. Walk before God. They forget that God sees all this. And we're not living our life as if God was right behind us. And so we live our life. See, if you're going to walk before him, you got to be with him. So maybe part of the problem in our Christianity today is we have a bunch of people who claim to be Christians who have no relationship with Jesus Christ. You know how hard it is to fake something that you're not? For years in school, I, I, I tried to be a good kid. I tried to fake it as best as I could, but it was not in my nature. It was, was not in my nature. Before Jesus Christ came in, it was not in my nature. I'd watch the good kids, and I would say to myself, I can do that. I can sit in my seat. I can not talk. I don't have to cheat off the kids next to me. I don't have to throw paper wads at people. I can do that. And I get in my seat, and I say, okay. I'm going to be, be one of the good kids. I'm going to let them move me to the back of the room instead of sitting in the front of the room. And everything in my body was telling me, do it, do it, do it, do it, until my hand picked up an eraser. And, oh, that was so much fun. Gordon, up front. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. <coughs> but see, when Christ came in, it just wasn't my willpower. When Christ came into Gordon's life, all of a sudden now I would still go to pick up that eraser and someone would say, don't do that. Hmm. Who did that? And so in our culture today, I think a lot of the problems we're seeing is we have the former religion. We have a lot of religion. But we don't find a lot of folks that have a relationship with Christ. And if you're going to have that relationship with Christ, it starts off with walk before me. 
knowing that there's someone watching you. Knowing there's someone listening to you. It's not a police officer. It's not your parents. It's not your spouse. It's that person who died on the cross for us. This is 99-year-old Abraham who is not a spring chicken. He's not some rookie out there. He's already lived a good amount of time. He's already at this point, he has a, accumulated a, quite a lot of wealth. In modern sense, he would be re revered as a successful person. The problem is, when the world starts labeling you a successful person, but Jesus Christ does not label you a successful person, you're going to struggle. And you're going to start questioning things. And you'll quit. When the very one who says, I'm the giver of strength. I'm the almighty God. I am El Shaddai. You can make it. Walk before me. Walk before me. He tells him the second thing, though. He says, I am the almighty God. Walk before me. And be thou perfect. Be thou perfect. He's not saying sinless. Years ago, I was at a camp where taking our teenagers, the pastor of the church, his name, Dr. Craig. Getting to know him, and we're sitting there. I said, well, your name sounds familiar. He says, where's your family from? He said, he said, up in New York. He said, I got a brother who lives down in Erie County. Erie County. Does your brother happen to teach music? Yeah, he's at one of those local high schools. I said, I, I know your brother. I, I, know, I know your brother. Our high school band director was Mr. Craig. Ah, oh, that was my brother. Short guy, just like Dr. Craig was. He says, he's a funny guy. I said, we didn't think it was funny. <laughs> I wasn't in band, but I wouldn't even get close to the band room because you didn't want to get Mr. Craig on your bad side. He said, my brother was funny in this sense, Brother G. He says, he believed in sinless perfection. He said, he believed that if you really came to Christ, you never, ever, ever, ever sinned again. He said, and him and I would go back and forth. I would give him verses, he would try to give me verses, and he would tell me, no, you really are what I am, you just don't know it yet. Man, we're going back and forth, back and forth. And one day we're going across a New York State turnpike, which was 55 at that point. I look over, he's doing 70. So I mentioned my little brother, I says, hey, how fast you going there, brother? He said, from that moment on, he shut up. <laughs> he slowed it down to 55. He said, and he still would not admit he wasn't sinless. So when God says, walk before me and be thou perfect, he doesn't say, be sinless. You do a definition check, that means be upright, be sincere, be complete. Or in the full, full sense of it, be mature. Be upright. Be sincere. Be complete. He's talking to a 99-year-old man. Get the context here. He's not talking to a teenager. He's not talking to a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old. not talking to a, a middle-aged man who's going through his crisis. I told Kathy, she's lucky. I'm only 54. My midlife isn't for like 40 more years, so you're safe. You, don't worry about me. If you see me come home with a little sports car, you know that I, I hit that, that, that middle-age crisis. So I got about 40 more years I hit my middle age. Too scared of her to do anything else, so I'm safe, you know. Can't afford a sports car, so you're safe. He's talking to a 99-year-old man who in this culture would have said, this is a successful man. This is one of our 
cultural leaders. But inside, he is a wreck. Inside, Abraham's a mess. Why? Because God Almighty had to come to him and say, I am the giver of strength, Abraham. You walk before me and be thou perfect. You need to be upright. You need to be sincere. You need to be complete. You need to be mature. See, walking before God is passive. It's a passive action. Knowing that if you mess up, God's going to just... <clears throat> Sent the kids the other day in school. I said, oh, man, we're doing, you know, I forget what we're all, all about, about all the forces of nature and in science. You know, give an example of, of gravity and force. So maybe you pushed your brother into the ditch and now you had to pull him out. So my example would have been this, kids. I messed up. My mom smacked me in the head. And they're all looking at me funny. I'm thinking, yeah, we live in a culture. Oh, they actually smacked you? In my mind, I'm thinking, you know, that would help 90% of our classes. If they had a parent who said, you know, I love you enough to smack you a little bit. I'm talking about abuse. But my mom crossed the line. <laughs> but you didn't know Gordon G. back then. I'm really surprised you didn't kill me. And even years later, Dad and her were sitting drinking coffee in the morning. He says, you know, Gordon, we're still amazed we didn't kill you. I said, I am too. I am too. But see, if all you do is live a passive life, I'm just going to live my life as if God's behind me. If I mess up, he'll nudge me. If I mess up, he'll smack me a little bit. You never get anywhere. You'll never get to this next stage. You'll never experience this promise being fulfilled in your life. So, preacher, I'm talking about God says he'll give you strength. And when you realize he said that, that makes Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, a lot more powerful. Because the Old Testament, God says, I'm the giver of strength. Paul reminds us that I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So there is a promise that's hinted at in the Old Testament. God says, you do these two things. The New Testament says, you know, you can do all things. And not if you decide to go do your own lifestyle, do your own thing, live your own way, talk your own way, and then just be what you want. To. You know, you're not, you can't claim that promise. You know how many Christians are doing their own thing and trying to claim Philippians 4.13? Well, Philippians 4.13 goes all the way back to Genesis 17.1. And the God who said, I'm the giver of strength, says if you'll do these two things, you can claim that promise. Walk before me, which is a passive action. Be thou perfect. That's an active action. Peter said it this way in 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. This is that guy in the Gospels that still every now and then would use some foul language. Who would always seems to speak before he thought. Sit in front of all the other disciples when Jesus said he was going to be denied and going to die. He stood there and said, no, they all may leave you, but I'm not. Jesus Christ had to tell him, no, you're going to do it three times tonight. 
as he sat around that fire and denied Jesus Christ three times and looked up and was close enough, Luke says, they made eye contact. And he wept bitterly. This is that same guy who got so frustrated that he took six of his friends and quit and went back to the old lifestyle. He quit. And you realize this, that when you quit, you never quit by yourself. You always take others with you. So he takes six other men with him. And Jesus Christ came to him. Three times asked him, love without me. Broke Peter down. Peter finally had to break that wall of me, 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 me. And said, no, it's you, 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 you. And finally surrendered and gave in. And you find a whole different Peter when you get the book of Acts. Who's preaching with power. Not because Peter's cocky and arrogant. No, because Peter surrendered. It's no longer about Peter. It's about Jesus now. So when he's writing his two epistles and he gets the last phrase into the Christians, you don't find him taking a pop shot. You don't find him taking hits. You find him giving a, a Christian challenge, but grow in grace. If anyone, if anyone could be a picture of someone who has grown in grace, that old foul mouth fisherman, old hothead fisherman, he says, man, if I can grow in grace, you can grow in grace. You need to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, this is what we're talking about here. This isn't God saying, I want you to do something that's impossible. He's not saying, walk before me and build a nuclear plant. Now, you may be able to build a nuclear plant. <laughs> Good for you. But if you're like me, you're going, I don't know where to start. Google yeah, you start Googling how do I build a nuclear bomb or a plant, you're going to get a. Uh, it's the government here. We're here to help you. Yeah, I bet you're here to help me. God doesn't tell you to do the impossible. This is why this name is so powerful. He's not telling Abraham, I'm going to ask you to do something that's unbelievably impossible, and ultimately you're going to fail. Because I'm really cruel and I'm mean and I like making fun of you. You talk to some Christians, that's how they picture God. If you would talk to 99-year-old Abraham, he says, what did he say to you? Well, he told me he's the giver of strength. And right now, I don't feel very strong. I tried fixing my problem, made it worse. I'm not getting any younger. And I don't see the end of this. And right now, I'm a little discouraged. I think he knew that. I think he understood where I was at physically and mentally. And all of a sudden he comes to me and he tells me that he's the almighty God. He told me he's El Shaddai. He told me he's the giver of strength. He's just going to give it to you freely? No, he said two things. He asked me to live my life as if he was right behind me. Walk before him, he said. Well, anyone can do that, yeah. Because <laughs> if you mess up, he'll smack you. What else did he tell you, Abraham? He wants me to be upright. He asked me to be sincere. He asked me to be mature. He said, be perfect. Be perfect. See, I can go to the store now. I still get the cart. <laughs> ask any of the kids. Ask Kathy. I get the cart. If you want a cart, get your own cart. This is my cart. Why? A couple times in my past, I have said, okay, I'm going to give someone the cart. 
One time was Kathy. One time was Stephanie. And I'm not lying. My hand's on my Bible. Kathy will deny it. But both times I gave one cart to Kathy, one cart to Stephanie. Guess where they hit the hubby? And guess where they hit daddy? In the back of my legs at the Achilles heel. She's shaking her head because she denies it. She's a liar. I said, I tried. I tried to let go of the cart. I tried to let someone else push it. And I'm walking in front of them, staying out of the way, and boom. Sorry, honey. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Give me the cart. I can tell you this. I don't know about you, but I can walk by the grapes and not pick one grape up. I can walk by the cherries. Big cherries. Aren't those delicious? And I don't pick up one cherry and chew on it. I don't walk by any of the produce and sample it. You know how hard it is for me to walk into a store and see a grown adult picking grapes and eating them? I hear my mom saying, that's not yours. <laughs> I want to, Danny, quit eating the grapes. Well, I didn't know. <laughs> You're paid by the pound. But I'm not going to put you on a scale. You couldn't afford it. That's a load of grapes. You say, well, you, say, you say with me, my mom hasn't been behind me in years. I don't need Kathy saying, honey, we don't, those aren't your grapes, honey. You shouldn't be eating those grapes. Those aren't your cherries. I don't need her to remind me. Our kids knew the rule when they were little kids. If it's not yours, don't touch it. So a lot of problems in your Christian life. If it's not yours, don't touch it. We used to leave stuff around the house on purpose. So you're silly. You're going to train up your children and the way they're going to go, you're going to need to train them. If it's not yours, don't touch it. I would periodically wake up my kids. And as they were waking up, I said, I want you to do this, this, and this. The only one who struggled with that, and he probably still does, is Caleb. The other kids would say, why'd you do that? Because I wanted you to be able to wake up be alert enough where if I needed you for an emergency, you were with me. Last thing I want to have is one of my children that, oh, I don't want to make it. I'm not going to have that in our house. If we're waking you up, you should be awake enough to follow instructions because there may be an emergency. There may be a fire. There may be a disaster. I need you to be alert. So I would periodically wake them up and say, do this, this, this. Okay, Dad. Caleb probably still doesn't do it. <laughs> so you get a disaster. Don't get Caleb near you, okay? You see, you're silly. No. Because I knew this, and we knew this. One day, Lord willing, those little babies of ours are going to have their own little babies. As this cycle of life thing continues, we needed them to get to the point to where they didn't need mom and dad behind them constantly. I didn't need my mom behind me anymore. Why? Because I got to a point in my Christian life and in my physical life where I was a little more sincere now. I'm a little more upright. I don't have to worry about the cameras watching me. I'm not doing anything that's going to get me in trouble. I don't need to have someone guarding me as I go through the store. And Abraham, at 99 years of age, is hearing God say, walk before me, be thou perfect. You have a choice to do. You need to ask yourself this question, WWJRD. Now say it with me. I'm not saying WWJD. I hate that 
I hate those four letters with everything in my heart. WWJD. Kid Preacher. <laughs> I know it's a great book. Great thought. But when you realize the people who are wearing the WWJD shirts, the WWJD t-shirt, sweatshirts, and the bands, and the necklaces. I'll give you an example. Years ago, running our buses in Florida, one of my bus kids named Rocky. Rocky was kind of slow. I thought he was from West Virginia for years. I really did. But he wasn't. He was from Florida. He was a little slow. Probably an Ohio State fan. I'm just saying. I don't know for sure. Slow people like Ohio State. <laughs> Got to pick on Brother Ed. His team did better than my team did. Rocky, get on the bus. A little slow, and he'd sit there. He'd rock in his, in his seat. It was so funny. Years and years and years later, Caleb and Stephanie actually ran my bus many years later, and they still had Rocky. Much older Rocky, and he was still sitting in the seat in Rocky. <laughs> I go, Rocky, Brother G. <laughs> yes, Brother G. I got Brother Caleb. I got Mr. Caleb now. <laughs> he sat there. Here comes Brother Rocky. Preteen, I think it was. He's sitting there. All of a sudden, he's going, bad boy, bad boy. Rocky, what are you doing? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Bad boy, bad boy. I said, what, what, what are you singing? Another kid's, oh, his favorite TV show. What's his TV show? It's called Cops. Cops. Yeah, it's a show on Fox. Oh, enough said. Fox. Fox. I said, I hate Fox. I like their sports now, but no other TV shows are horrible. And he'd always be singing, bad boy, bad boy. I said, I better watch a cop episode to see what Rocky's watching. Because if he's watching, my other kids are watching it too. So I watched a couple episodes. You know, kind of hardcore police work, you know, busting people. Remember one time I was watching it. And all of a sudden, I yelled at Kathy, Kathy, come here, look at, look, look, look at this, look at this. He goes, what, look. And there's these police officers chasing this guy down a street. I said, look at those, look at those places. That's my bus driver. That's Avenue D. She looks, oh, that sure is. That's the grocery store. That's a crab shack thing. Yeah. And they're chasing that guy down the street. <laughs> they got him out of a crack house. And they're watching him chase this man down Avenue D, Fort Pierce, Florida. They're running him. They tackle him. They flip him over. WWJD. I'm like, ah. Ah, WWJD. Even had the bracelet in case he forgot what his T-shirt said. Uh, WWJD. Oh, I got it right here, too. WWJD. When I got to church that Sunday, my kids heard Brother G hit the roof. None of my kids were allowed to wear WWG. First, I started at my bus meeting Saturday. I said, if you're going to be my bus captain, bus driver, or assistant, I don't want to see WWJD anywhere on your person. But it's a good message. I said, if you're a crackhead being busted on Fort Pierce Avenue D, what? I told them the show. Did you really see it? Live and in action. On call. Bad boy, bad boy. See, if you got to have a bracelet or a necklace or a T-shirt reminding you what would Jesus do, you got more problems than I can fix. You're not wearing it. I'm, as my captains and my bus kids knew the rule. Brother Jude doesn't like WWD. <laughs> he doesn't like it. Because that was probably one of my kids' cousins or uncles. But I do like WWJRD. You never find T-shirts. You never find bracelets. So what are you saying? That just simply means this. What would Jesus really do? Now, he wouldn't be running out of a crack house. I'll tell you that much. 
wouldn't be chasing the police down the street, being chased by police down the street. But when you ask yourself this question, man, I'm in, I'm in a spot. I'm having some difficulty. What would Jesus really do right now? And you make yourself stop and think. Oh, I don't think he would do this, this, and that. I don't think he would say this. Person's being unkind, person's being mean, whatever the scenario. I don't think he would do that. And you start finding yourself doing things a lot different. Not because you're afraid God's behind you. Now, he's still behind you. Don't get me wrong. He's still there. But at this stage in your life, you're realizing, I don't have to worry about him smacking me. I'd hate to think that I did something that made him cry. So I need to watch what I'm doing. I need to be careful what I say. Not because he's behind me. Because I sure hate to think that before he smacks me, he was tearing up. Well, I wish he wouldn't do that. Don't want that. I'd rather him say, good job. One of the greatest shows as a young man was hearing my dad say, good job, boy. Didn't always hear it. A lot of times messed up. Give an assignment. Go put this line of poles in and figure I do my own line. <laughs> dad didn't like the fence line doing this. Crazy how farmers are, aren't we? I want a straight line, Gordon. Give me a straight line of poles. I want four strands of barbed wire, and I want it tight. It's your job. Get it done. Man. And boy, you're done with that day of work. You're sweating, you're aching, you're hurting. And then Dad walks up, stands on the end of the pole, looks at the liner, looks at you and says, good job, boy. All the aches, all the pains, all the barbed wire cuts, all the briar bushes you had to go through to get that line right where it had to be. Just to hear Dad say, good job, boy. This is where Abraham's at right now. No doubt, he's stressing a little bit. I was promised something from God. I thought I would fix it. Made more problems. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. God says, Abraham, I am the giver of strength. Feeling kind of weak, aren't you? Yes, sir. Not too strong right now. Struggling right now. This is why God comes to him. We don't know all the details. We know some. But God knew, knew them all and chose at 99 years of his age to say, Abraham, I'm the giver of strength. I'm the almighty God. Abraham, I am El Shaddai. Because what do you find? That as you unfold your scripture, God says, you can do all things. Not through the church, not through the offering, not through church membership, not through the good works, because that's not going to give you strength. If that's what you're banking on, if that's what you're holding on to, the times that you thought you prayed through, the times you've been baptized, or, or whatever you're holding on to, man, there's going to come a point you realize, man, I can't make it. Oh, I have strength. Everything I was hoping on just kind of fell through. That was 99-year-old Abraham that heard God say, I am El Shaddai. I'm El Shaddai. Walk before me. Be thou perfect. 
And what do you find? That when you get this name of God in your heart, he's the giver of strength. That he loves you more than I can put into words, but I can put into actions. And if you go and come to a 99-year-old Abraham who's pretty discouraged, he's pretty down, humanly speaking, he's a success, but in his heart and his mind, I'm a failure. No doubt he was ready to say, this isn't working. God says, you can do all things if you'll let me help you. Just walk before me. Be thou upright, be sincere, be complete, be mature, be thou perfect. And what do you find? He's your same God. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not making light of any of the situations we go through. Last number of weeks, I've had things told to me that have made your preacher cry. Because it shocked you? No, because I felt the instant pain. Like, oh, really? I've received text. And I said to going, oh, really? I've been on the phone. In my heart, I'm going, oh, really? Oh, man. Don't you hate that? And then the Holy Spirit says, the same God you serve, they serve. Remind them that it's just not you who has El Shaddai. He's their El Shaddai. That's why the preacher can wipe his eyes. Clear his throat and say, God will take care of this. Now, you may not get totally healed. You may beat me to heaven. But in the process, God says, he's the giver of strength. Keep walking before him. Be thou perfect. There's a job to get done here. You're going to have a chance maybe to see doctors or see nurses or to see, or to see people that just don't see ordinary people. And in the process of time, you're going to be a light. And you can do this. Why? Because you serve El Shaddai. And when you realize that he's the giver of strength, you start realizing, I serve an almighty God. That was 99-year-old Abraham. Let's pray.